I know, it's uh, pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> All right, so uh, good to see some of you, all of you, all three of you. Uh, but uh, so today uh, the adult lesson is on a, a topic that uh, kind of been thinking about for a bit. It's uh, really inspired by kind of three different things. I'm going to turn this remote on first. So it's, it's kind of inspired by three different things, and uh, the first of which was something I had the pleasure of doing last, fr a, a week ago Friday, at Chapman University, uh, attending a talk of uh, Father Greg Boyle, who is a Catholic priest who resides in uh, one of the worst neighborhoods in Los Angeles and is basically does gang intervention. And uh, I've heard him speak before at a uh, at a at St. Paul Greek Orthodox Church, um, and kind of jumped at the opportunity to hear him speak again. Um, turns out that a lot of the times he says many of the same things, but that's actually okay. I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, he's not here trying to entertain us. He's really here trying to deliver a message, and his message has been consistent a consistent message since the 80s. And uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that because it's very inspiring and it's actually very insightful. Uh, this is a man who, you know, many consider a modern day saint and I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that based on, you know, what I've seen or read about him. Um, and uh, so we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, his fir I was first introduced to him a few years ago. Uh, one of my friends for my birthday gave me a book called Tattoos of the Heart, which is his first book that he wrote. And that was a really a groundbreaking book that for me personally. Uh, and then he's followed it up with two additional books, one called Barking, Towards Bar Barking to the Choir and the last, which he just recently put out, called The Whole Language. And he just thinks about things in a way that I, I feel is just quite, quite beautiful. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is I tried to find exactly when this was, but uh, Marchi, Archdeacon Mark, gave us a sermon uh, about a month or two ago uh, on the topic of putting out into the deep. And that was a reflection on uh, the Jesus approaching the disciples and asking them to cast their nets out into the deep. And he gave a very beautiful talk on, on this. Uh, don't mean to embarrass him, but it w really was a very lovely talk, and I, I benefited tremendously from it. Um, and so uh, the third is actually something from our newly uh, ordained Deacon Macarius that uh, is a talk that I sat in on his maybe in 2013 when I first moved here. He was giving it to high school kids in at St. Marina's, and he had a, a very interesting look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which all of us know is the love chapter, which I actually <laughs> used in my, like stupidly used in my proposal to my wife because I didn't get it. But like, um, you know, I was trying to be romantic and that's probably not the best use of the, the Bible. But anyways, I've learned since then, it's still an important passage for us, um, but for different reasons now. And uh, so these kind of three things kind of uh, came together and got me thinking about a few things, and namely, what I want to talk about today <coughs> is, uh, 
is, so the, the title of the talk is a very obscure reference that no one is going to get. I thought maybe John Abdu might get it, but he's not here, of course. And it says, if they ask you why we did it, tell them we did it for love. Okay. <coughs> and so I want to talk about service. And I purposefully put the word service in air quotes. And we'll get into why I put the word service in air quotes here in a little bit. So what is, what is service, right? I mean, w and uh, Archdeacon Mark talked about this a little bit in his, in his talk. Um, you know, is, in terms of church service, is it coming to church and teaching kids Elhan or the hymns? Is it making the Orban under a Nazi reg regime like we have here at St. Paul's? Is it, uh, is it um, teaching Sunday school or giving an adult lesson? You know, in my opinion, I'm not really sure in, in the purest sense of the term I'd consider those things service. And we'll, we'll get into that a, a little bit. Um, and then service in the community, you know, uh, or at home, you know, with, with your spouse or with your children, or even just having four children can be considered service. But, um, uh, and then uh, we look at uh, ways to serve in the community, like at a homeless shelter or a food pantry, or rescuing a dog, which just means going to the pound and buying a dog. I don't know if it's a rescue, but it's, so these are different things that people talk about in terms of service. So I thought it's interesting, like, let's look at the word servant. What does it mean to be a servant? And my contention here is that we've kind of got it flipped up on its head, okay? So because a servant <coughs> is one that serves others, especially one that performs duties about the person or home of a master or personal employer. So why do I say we've got this flipped up on its head? Because many of us, myself included, when we do, in air quotes, service, we come to church saying that we are imparting something from our wealth on someone just by definition that doesn't have or is below us, okay? And I don't think personally that that's a healthy way to look at service. It's probably not the way Christ, definitely not the way Christ wanted us to look at service. You know, some of the patristic fathers go as far to say is that if we are not sharing among ourselves the wealth that we have, we are actually stealing from our brothers and sisters, right? And that's found in the, the writings of <coughs> both St. Basil and St. John Chrysostom. And so we have, I believe, this idea of servant flipped upside down. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. So the first, uh, the first passage here that I would like to look at is <coughs> a passage from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, I've titled the slide, They Have Their Reward. And most of you can probably localize this phrase, they have the reward, to where exactly Christ was talking about. So I'm going to read it uh, for us. Yeah, I, how about I read it because I don't want to ruin the whole presentation. But I'll, I'll, I'll read it slowly so even I can understand. Um, so... Take heed that you do not know your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But when you dost alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doth. Thine alms may be in secret, 
and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love praying standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And the point I really want to stress here is that doing good things for people is a good thing, right? The, the Pharisees here are really doing things to appear good so that others can see them and glorify them. But if we take this a step further, you know, just doing something charitable for somebody is a noble thing. It's a good thing. And, you know, I believe that God has their reward. Those folks have their reward for doing these things. It's not a bad thing to go and help somebody, right? But it, God wants us to go a step further than this, not just to look at somebody as a charity case or look at somebody as something that needs to be, someone who needs to be helped, and here I am riding in on my white horse as the savior of this person, because there is one savior, and that's God. There's one savior, and that's Christ. It's not you on the horse. It's God that's on the horse. And so we have to adjust the way we think of it. You know, one of the typical things that comes up in our church is like, oh, do you serve in church? Well, yes, I help in church. I go to church, and I teach people how to sing, or I go to church, and I give a talk here or there, but that's not really, that's not really what is at the heart of what Christ wants us to do as service. And um, so we'll move along a little bit more to another passage. And this is, it profits me nothing. And this is from 1 Corinthians 13. This is the preamble to the love does not, love does not puffed up, love does not this, love is not that. This is the, this is the, the first several verses of that, of that chapter and maybe the the most important verses of that chapter and it says though i speak with tongues of men and of angels but have not love i have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal and though i have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though i have all faith so that i could remove mountains but have not love i am nothing and though i bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So the, the actual currency exchange here is love. It's not the other things. It's not I can do this, I can do that, I can give this, I can give that. Those things are great, and they may have the reward, but what God wants us to have is this, this, this currency of love, and that's what makes it valuable. The things that you do with or for or to other people, if it's done with love, that's the currency that God is looking for. He's not looking that you can do these great things because he's the one who created you and has allowed you to be able to do these great things. You're not rich because you did something great. You're rich because God has allowed you to be rich and become something great. And when we remove the ownership of these great things from ourselves and place them where they should be, which is with God, we understand that what we are doing, what we can give somebody else that is valuable, is love. Is to stand with them, to stand, as Father Greg Boyle says, to stand on the margins with them and develop kinship. And we'll talk a little bit about this. Actually, I'll let him talk about this because why would I when he could? Um, and so, moving along, what is this idea of stepping out into the margin? And do we have an example for this? Well, of course we have an example for this. Christ is the original stepper outer into the mar onto the margin, right? And what do we mean by this? What is the margin of society? The margin of society are the people that everybody's discounted, has thrown away, has 
said is good for nothing, is not valuable. Maybe they're drug addicts. Maybe in Father Greg Boyle's case, they're gang members. Maybe they're, you know, people who have committed crimes or done something wrong or just people who aren't, quote unquote, successful. People that others look at and say, well, he's not really valuable. He's not really something to be cherished or loved or cared for. He's just this homeless guy on the street, probably a psych case, probably whatever. And, you know, that's not the way that Christ looked at these people, the people on the margin. And Christ stepped out into the margin over and over and over again. And, you know, we know in the Gospels it says that, you know, if we were to record all the things, all the miracles that Christ had done, it would fill volumes of books. The books couldn't contain them, right? But these are some examples that just came quickly to mind. Christ visiting the Samaritan woman. She was marginalized. She was this woman who had several husbands, was a Samaritan, was, you know, outcast from society, had to go draw water in the hottest part of the day. And Christ made a point to be there for her. He stepped out onto the margin, not just to heal her, but to be with her, to be present with her, to love her, to care for her, to show her that she was not something that was to be discarded or thrown away. Look at the example of Christ visiting the lepers. Again, these are outcasts, pariahs in society, things that people would, were, were terrified to even go near. And Christ made a point to approach these lepers, to heal, yes, to heal them because he is God, but more also to show them that they are valuable, that they are to be loved, that they are to be cared for, that they are to be, that, that, that they are valuable in and of themselves and deserve to be loved and cared for. We look at other examples um, of Christ, uh, you know, one of the, the more beautiful is the adulterous woman who's getting stoned, and Christ literally walks into the margin there while she's getting attacked and stops the attack and writes something on the ground. There's speculation as to what he wrote, maybe the sins of those stoning, we don't know exactly. Um, but he knelt down on the ground and was present with her. He loved her, and he showed her that she was valuable. And she told, he told others that she was valued, right? So these are all examples of um, Christ's love and stepping out into the margin. So when we say stepping out into the margin, this is putting out into the deep, right? This is going beyond the superficial. It's very easy to come to church and say, hey, everybody, nice, you know, nice to see you. What are you doing for Thanksgiving and stuff like that? That's not going into the deep. Going into the deep is getting involved with people in, in the aches and pains of their lives, the, the, yes, the triumphs, but also the, the downfalls. It's being on the margin when them when they are on the margin. Um, and we need, to, we need to learn from Christ to do this and learn from a modern-day example like, like Father Greg Boyle to approach people in this way. Um, and again, hopefully this works. Yes. And audio and everything, it's fantastic. That's creepy, but that's okay. That looks like Scientology or something. It's not. The prophet Habakkuk writes, the vision still has its time, presses on to fulfillment, and it will not disappoint. And if it delays, wait for it. But uh, nobody, especially faithful people, nobody really wants to wait for too long, especially con los brazos cruzados and tapping your feet and staring at your watches. You want to make something happen, so that's what I want to talk about for the brief moments I have with you this evening. That we're all uh, invited to uh, imagine uh, and create 
uh, a community of kinship such that God, in fact, might recognize it. Mother Teresa's uh, diagnosis of the world's ills, I think, was quite correct when she suggested that the problem in the world is that we've just forgotten that we belong to each other. So how do we stand against forgetting that? How do we imagine together a circle of compassion and then imagine nobody standing outside that circle? And to that end, what we're all called to do is to stand at the very edges of the margins of that circle and hope that because we're standing there, it will widen. And we stand with specific people out there on the margins, the poor, the powerless, the voiceless. We stand with those whose burdens are more than they can bear. We stand with those whose dignity has been denied. When you're really fortunate and blessed and lucky, you get to stand occasionally with the easily despised and the readily left out, with the demonized so that the demonizing will stop, and with the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. I don't believe this is my call. I think this is our call. It's a human call. I suspect if uh, kinship was our goal, we would no longer be promoting justice. We would be celebrating it. So fairly obvious why I didn't say that, because that was much better than I could have done. So uh, <coughs> another story I love is, is Father Greg at a megachurch. And I think this is somewhat instructive for us. He tells a story where he gives this hour-long talk about what he does with this gang intervention, employing gang members, rehabilitating them, um, you know, giving them hope for a future. And one of, the, one of the parishioners comes down to him at the end and is thoroughly unimpressed with what he was doing and basically said, well, that, that's great and all, but, but how many of these people are you actually turning to Christ? And his response was beautiful. He says, he says I think he said, um, I'm not bringing them to Christ. They bring, they bring Christ to me, right? And that, that's, that's a beautiful way to think about it. And it just shows you, like, you know, and then she, she, she persisted, and she, she still wasn't happy with that answer. He says, well, well how, much, how much of the day are you giving thanks to God at Homeboy Industries. And he responds, and I'm not going to use the words he used. He's a very colorful gentleman. But he, he says, all darn day, but not darn. And, uh, and it just kind of shows, you know, his perspective on it. And, you know, it's great if we come to church and give thanks to God and, and smile and all that stuff. That, that's great. Or we nominally turn somebody to Christ but it's much more valuable to show people the love of Christ. That's what's going to change them. That's what's going to convert them to Christ. It's not, well, these are the several pillars of Christianity. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to believe. You know, have communion, go to church, all this stuff. That's not the Christianity God's interested in. God's interested in the Christianity of love and compassion and humility. And uh, that's, that's what someone like Father Greg Boyle shows. And I, I, I couldn't help myself, so I, I did this at the mega church. <laughs> That's going to be the new St. Paul's church, by the way. But anyways, I, I had to. I'm sorry. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to wrap up here with, with this. And again, I'll let Father Greg Boyle do the ultimate wrap up. But there's a few thoughts I have on service. This is like much of this editorialized, but I hope in the spirit of our 
faith. Um, and, you know, the first thing I want to make sure that we understand is that God does not need us. Okay? And I want us to remember that. When you are helping others, when you are standing on the margins with others, God does not need you. He is not waiting for you to take the food to the person. He's not waiting for you to clothe the person or provide shelter for the person or to do any of these things. He, believe it or not, is perfectly capable of doing all of these things on his own. And he does, the, he allows us to, to help these people, to stand with these people, and I'm purposefully not using the word serve because I don't want us to get into this arrogant mindset of we are serving people that are less than us, okay? Like Mother Teresa says, we belong to each other, okay? We belong to each other. We are not serving people. We are standing with people. We are loving those around us. And if we have much, it is incumbent upon us to give and to share that much, or else, as St. Basil and St. John Chrysostom say, we are thieves, okay? And that's the first point. You know, God does not need us, and these folks that we are with, helping, in air quotes, serving, they do not need us either, right? We are there to show love and compassion, but he who will provide is God. God is their provider, and if we fail to do it, he will, right? So we have to, to remember these things in our service, to approach this service with, with true humility, right? Um, and then Thanksgiving, like this lady at the mega church was saying, you know, praising God with words is, is wonderful, but true Thanksgiving is actually demonstrated with action. True Thanksgiving for the things that, we, that God has given us that we are fortunate enough to have, whether it's good health, whether it's a nice home, whether it's wealth, whether it's a nice family or a nice church community, the way we show Thanksgiving is by extending acts of love towards each other. And that's why when we see Christ spending the last hours with his disciples as he kneels down and serves them, he truly is a servant in that regard, not arrogantly because he's the creator of all, but him getting down on his knees actually a non-arrogant way of serving. He tells us, love one another as I have loved you. That's his departing message. It's not serve one another as I have served you. It's love one another as I have loved you because the currency of service, the currency of standing on the margins with other people is love. Um, and so show your thanksgiving this week uh, very appropriately in, in ways of, of acts of love towards those around you. And again, you know, you don't have to go out to skid row and, and do something, but sometimes we can find the marginalized within our own home, right? The, for whatever reason, the kid or the, the spouse who feels marginalized for whatever reason, this is who we stand with in love. You start with small steps and, and carry it further if you can. Um, and then lastly, examine your service, relationship, life, and put out into the deep. The things that are worth it in life cost something. The things that are valuable in life they take effort, they take sacrifice, and they take uh, spending our, our own capital on it, right? These are the things that are, are, are worth it in life. These are the things that are hard to do, put out into the deep. It's not the easy shallow water. It's not the easy thing that 
a lot of us have become accustomed to in, in our busy world and our busy lives. But it's, it's, you know, cast your net out into the deep. Um, and uh, mercifully, I'll conclude this with another Father Greg Boyle, first the St. John Chrysostom quote, which I love. To the rich, the rich exist for the sake of the poor. The poor exist for the salvation of the rich. Look at the two words there, sake and salvation. Which is more valuable? Salvation, it's not even close. We're there for the sake of the poor because we have, because God has given us, and it is theirs as much as it is ours. But they are there for our salvation. And why are they there for our salvation? It's because they are a vehicle for us to learn how to love others, right? That is why they are our salvation, right? When we stand on the margins with others, we are learning to love. It's not, it's not God is predestined people to being poor or unfortunate and we're there to save them and these acts of charity are saving them. It's, it's we learn to love by standing with folks on the margin, right? There's, there's a, a line in the uh, Tom Hanks movie about Mr. Rogers where Mrs. Rogers talks to the journalist and, and, uh, and, and he asks her, how does it feel to be married to a saint? And he says, oh, I don't really like that word because it suggests that people don't have access to this. And then she said, he's not a perfect person. I mean, he gets angry, but he's learned how to catch himself. And then she looks at him and she says, it's the practice. He <laughs> works at it. <laughs> and, and all the while that she's saying this, Mr. Rogers is on a rope line, fully attentive to the person right in front of him, delighting in the person in front of him. And it's, I remember when I saw that, I kind of went, yeah, that's, that's the whole deal. It's a practice. You have to work at it. So you, you don't decide once and for all to cherish people. You don't even pray in the morning and meditate and say, okay, now I'm good to cherish people. No, you have to choose to cherish with every breath you take. Otherwise, it won't work. It's a practice. You have to work at it. And so, um, and, and I, you know, I, I don't want to suggest that I'm good at this. I, I just, I have the intentionality to do it. I have the desire and the longing to do it. And the, and the, long, the desire for the desire to do it. You know, so I'm, I'm every moment you're always practicing with, with you know, right now I look out into <laughs> into our reception area and, and, and uh, you know, part of me doesn't want to get off this Zoom with you because I know what it's going to be. You know, it's going to be belligerent and hard-headed and annoying and, you know, and you want to delight in the people who are exactly right in front of you and you don't want to look over their shoulder to kind of see who else is next. No, you want to be perfectly attentive and it's hard. But I know that that's where the joy is in, in inhabiting your true self and loving. And, and you, don't, you don't care about return. You don't care about outcome. You don't care about success. You just love being loving. And, and I know that that works. But that's the thing you have to practice every single day of your life and in every breath. 
So I, I would just encourage you all, if you haven't watched one of his full talks, to you know go on YouTube and and it's they're usually about an hour long, give or take a little bit. And again, a lot of them are the same stories, the same message, but his message is consistent, and that's actually reassuring that his message is consistent, that it stayed the same from 1980 something, roughly 40 years. Um, and uh, uh, so it's it's refreshing that the message is consistent because it's something that can be actually built on, right? If it was changing all the time and different every time he spoke, you'd start to say, well, does this guy really have it figured out? And he's got it figured out because he allowed the Holy Spirit to work within him and to teach him and to educate him. And he says, he says over and over again, it's my homies, that's what he calls the gang members, my homies have brought Christ to me. And he thanks them time and time again for his spiritual walk and what he's learned spiritually. So these are just some simple reflections on service and uh, I hope I don't know. I hope I'm not going to get excommunicated, but that's always a possibility. So, so if anybody has any questions or comments or thoughts, we'd love to hear them. <laughs>